thank you so much for taking the time to participate in Mold Talks. I want to share your story with others because I really strongly believe it can help those who are experiencing similar issues. So without further ado, I'm going to introduce you to Dana Childs. Dana, share some of your story. Yeah, thanks, Michael. It's so great to be here. I'm really passionate about mold because I've just had the most horrific experience with it, which makes you really passionate about something. You know, I'm based currently in North Carolina. I do intuitive energy healing work. So it was extra frustrating to be an intuitive and an energy healer and not be able to figure it out and heal myself. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really hard. So I've become very passionate about mold. When was it that you first noticed you weren't feeling well? It was 2013. Like I've been sick for about seven years before I really caught on. How did you first figure out that mold was impacting your health? So it's an odd way, actually. I had two people at the same time. One was actually a client who was working in a doctor's office who treated children for mold and other like ADHD disorders. And and she called me around this time and she said, I think what, cause she was dealing with similar things. And she said, Hey, I think it might be mold. And I was like, I don't think so. I grew up around mold. Like it was, you know, it wasn't a big deal. Right. <laughs> and, and that was right. Also what I was taught, which is why it never entered my mind was like, ah, it's just mold bleach it off, which is the wrong thing to do. But that was how my family dealt with it. And so then I had a friend of mine who was a, a very talented intuitive. She called me and we were talking through like my symptoms had gotten so weird. And she said, you know, I just, I hear that you need VIP hormone. And I was like, what's that? And she said, I have no idea. That's just what I'm hearing. So I saw that VIP hormone, the peptide hormone was the final phase of the healing protocol for mold. And I thought, well, maybe this is my problem. And from there I researched and found a mold specialist in um, North Carolina. There was only one that came up and it was quite frustrating because she actually misdiagnosed me. Mm. And so I had to go to different doctors and find different ways to test my body to finally do a urine sample that showed it off the charts. And from there, I went back to the specialist and said, okay, now it's been validated. What do we do? Because I knew I needed that protocol, right? That VIP hormone was really yeah. important. And so she then said, you, you know, you need to go to a specialist and get a second opinion because I kept passing the VCS test, which is the vision test. Right. And for the Shoemaker protocol and creative types can pass it even while being exposed. And so it just confused her. And then the second doctor, she had just gotten certified actually in North Carolina was 30 minutes from me. And she looked at my labs and she said, without a doubt, this is what you have. Like, let's get you set up. And it was such a relief to be diagnosed. I cannot tell you after so many different doctors and visits. And, you know, it got to the point where I would walk in a doctor's office and they would just roll their eyes because yeah. they, they really thought that I was crazy. And so that's where I found it. Um, that's where I found out that was what was going on with my body at first got diagnosed. Thank you for sharing that. And you're not crazy. A lot of clients tell me they go from doctor to doctor, to doctor, to doctor. Yep. Uh, how many doctors did you go through before you finally pinpointed one that, that explained that it's definitely due to toxic mold exposure and feel free to count on your hands if you need. Six doctors, wow. medical doctors. There was also a functional medicine doctor. There were two of those. There was a naturopath. But my acupuncturist in the beginning said, do you think it could be mold? And I said, nah. And I totally 
blew it off. And, and I always think about that. That would have saved me six years of a journey. When you're raised to not think about it or it's not environmentally, you're not environmentally aware, you really don't know until it hits you or someone you know. A lot of people, they just are in disbelief that mold can cause or any indoor pathogens can cause these types of debilitating health effects. It's years of their life that gets wasted with them not feeling well before they finally wake up and say, you know, I should probably check my house. I just kept thinking like, maybe I'm doing energy work wrong. Like it was, I mean, I could not make sense of it because the doctors kept saying, you're fine. Like everything's fine. Can I ask you, what were some of your symptoms? So my symptoms started with my immune system just failing me. I would get bacterial infections. I wouldn't feel good. I would get headaches out of nowhere. I would feel fine one minute and then my whole body would just shut down the next. That was sort of the biggest thing. Then my hormones went off and I didn't realize it because they kept showing up normal on the panels. But what was happening was that I had no testosterone. And so I had no energy, I had no energy. I had no drive. I had no libido and my brain, like I just couldn't think well, you know, I, I really am a researcher and I pride myself on like being quick on my feet and writing well, and all these things. And what I used to be able to get done in like an hour, it would take me a day. And, and I just had to go really slowly. Right. And I started, I stopped kind of doing socializing. Like I just, I didn't feel like I wanted to be around people. I felt really down low and depressed. Um, I had aches and pains every morning I would wake up and my joints would hurt um, every joint in my body. So I kept saying like, oh my God, I don't know how I've aged this much. I thought I had arthritis for a while because I couldn't figure out why my thumb was so painful. I had bloating that that's what really put me on the search for figuring out my body was because the bloating and the digestive issues got so severe that I would eat like a piece of celery like that. And I would go from a flat stomach to looking nine months pregnant. Wow. And then it just became like, I became reactive to everything, everything I would eat. It would, it would bloat up and the headaches were horrible. Um, I mean, the symptoms were, were insane. And I kept feeling like I had a bladder infection and I kept going to the doctor and being like, can you just test this? And she was like, you do not, you do not have one. And she would test it. She's like, you're negative. And I'm like, but I have all the symptoms and I had, you know, allergies that I didn't usually have seasonal allergies. Suddenly I had seasonal allergies and then it became just allergies all the time. So it was this plethora of things that did not make sense. So you would say that this definitely impacted your normal day, everyday life. Oh my God. It, it took down my relationship. It took down my social life. And the only thing I could do was to work. All I could do was to work because I do intuitive energy work and I, I would do it on the phone. And so I would pick up the phone, I would do my clients and then I would hang up the phone and then I would pass out. I'm so sorry. Yeah, thanks. It's, but, I, but I think it's more common than we know. And so I'm so happy that you're doing this because yeah. I get clients who will call me and they can't figure out their symptoms. And I'm like, it's mold, like right. find the mold. And then every single time they will email me back. Oh my gosh, you were right. You were right. Yeah. Do you yeah. remember the worst day that you had experienced when dealing with this? And what was it like? The worst day, uh, it was just like a you know regular day. I got up, I didn't have clients that day and my whole body ached so badly. And I was bloated to where I was so afraid of eating. Like I got afraid of eating actually. So I, I would not really eat food unless I was really, really hungry. And I would go days of fasting just to have 
some relief in my body. So I was probably hungry, right? Malnutritioned out the wazoo, like didn't have nutrients. And I was tired and I woke up and everything ached. And I felt like a whale because my belly was so huge. And I remember sitting down in the living room and I, and I laid down on the couch and I just said, God, like, I feel so happy and content with how I've lived and I can be done. And I laid there and prayed for death. I mean, I prayed for it. I just wanted to be done. And I wouldn't say I felt suicidal. It was more just like a complete surrender of, I give up and please kill me now. It was awful. And I think I cried and slept and cried and slept and didn't have the energy to do anything else. I've heard a lot of the psychological impacts that mold exposure can have where there's some really dark times. So and, uh, bad, so bad. And you know, I, I do want to bring this up. I had the mold inspector come. We did remediation in my home and I would move back in after full remediation, all new ductwork, new, new system, everything. And I would be reactive. And one of the mold inspectors said, I think this could be psychological. Mm. And I was like, this is not psychological. I probably dropped a few F-bombs because I was so frustrated. And yeah. I was like, this is my body telling me I'm reacting to something that you guys haven't found yet. When I moved into a clean space, I had gone to my house and I had gotten a blanket that had been washed with vinegar and all the ways I had read to clean fabrics. And I brought it over and I covered up with it. I went to sleep within two hours. I woke up fully symptomatic again. And the next day it clicked. I was like, it's in all the fabrics. It's in it's in everything. So even if it was out of the house, I was still reacting to every fabric. I had gotten rid of mattresses, um, all my upholstered furniture, all my rugs, like all of that was gone. But my clothes, I had simply washed in a vinegar cycle. Yeah. Not enough. And so it, you know, it was like a whole new understanding and layer to recognize I'm not crazy. I was still reacting. Just no one knew that it was to my closet because my clothes were in it. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize, you know, when you, when you're extremely sensitive to mold, right. And you have that stuff recirculating throughout your HVAC, it redistributes from wherever the source is throughout the entire home. When you have that redistribution that happens, you, you're going to get your clothes contaminated. You're going to get your belongings contaminated and those have to be dealt with in some cases, right. You may, you may not even be able to clean your clothes properly, right. There are products out there that claim that they will remove mold and mycotoxins to 99.97%, but that 0.03% may, may, may be all you need for somebody who's extremely sensitive. If you have like fabric couches or fabric furniture that you want to keep, even clothes, reintroduce them little by little, you know, so you really can understand if that was clean to the level that you need it to be. It's a very individualized thing. It's all about what you need it to be. And listening to your body is a huge factor in the decision-making process, because obviously if you're still having a reaction, you know, it's time to discard that item. When did you finally start feeling better? Maybe not a hundred percent, but start feeling better. There were two times. Once was in the middle of remediation. I stayed with a neighbor of mine. And within the two weeks that I was there while the home was being remediated, I felt tons better. When I got back in the home, I started going downhill again. And when I moved into the guest house um, that I'm in now, I would say within probably two to three weeks of being in a clean environment, 
I improved. And then I was able to start the shoemaker protocol, right? Which, which helped and helped and helped and helped. And I'm waiting for my test results to come back again for the dust test for the house to come back again um, to start the final phase, which is the VIP. So that's the last phase of treatment that I'll be able to start if that, if the place tests clean again. You felt incrementally better when you finished remediation, but it wasn't like an aha moment where you walked through the door and you were healed, right? There's still right. a journey to go through. It, it obviously right. removes that re-exposure element. You're no longer re-exposed to mold, but you still have to heal the body, right? And I think that's an important piece to highlight. With the amount that remediation can cost, of course, people have this expectation where they're going to walk through the front door and just be instantly cured. Yeah. And it's still going, you know, it's like, I just really moved out in February. And so it was, so by March, I felt better when I started the binders and the first steps of the protocol, I felt way better. And I will say after finishing the, the dynamic neural retraining system, right. From Annie Hopper, it's like night and day. I mean, from one day to the next, literally night and day. So I can't wait until I have the VIP hormone, the final stage. And I'm ecstatic for what I can, you know, go back to accomplishing. Awesome. Awesome. Glad to hear it. So you are overcoming this, which is an amazing story from start to finish. What would you recommend to others who may be experiencing similar difficulties? Well, there's a few recommendations. One I would say is find a practitioner that is a practitioner that can actually listen to you and help you and isn't telling you that you're fine if you know you're not fine, right? That's one. And two is to find a support system, be it a friend or a family member. You know, my immediate family, bless them, they just, they don't quite get it. And so when I would go visit my parents, you know, my dad, pretty old school, he'd be like, you just need to eat a steak, you'll feel great. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I don't think that's how it works. But he's like, yeah, 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 you're, you just eat a steak, you're fine. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, Okay. So they just, you know, they just didn't understand. And so that wasn't a a safe place for me to land. So to create a support system of people who were also going through it, had been through it, or who just really believed and loved me and supported me was huge to my overcoming it. Finding that kind of community and support system is really important, especially if you're living with someone or you're in the same residence with someone who isn't experiencing it and they're giving you a hard time about it. And then just to trust your gut. And that final thing is just that belief that it can get better because when you're so sick that you wanna die, all right, and you don't know what it is, you don't know what's going on, there's no track. You, you don't, you, you're unable to keep that faith that you're going to be better, that you're going to improve. And so I think that's the important piece is just like keeping that faith and knowing that you will get better. You just have to find that right sort of cocktail that works for your body and your home. It's really challenging too, to find that support system. Uh, just so you know, I speak to people every day and a lot of times it's either the husband or wife that's experiencing it the other family members aren't, right? So there's that disparity that makes it hard to understand. Any insight uh, that you can give to maybe a husband whose wife uh, doesn't understand what they're going through or, or a, a wife whose husband doesn't understand what they're going through, any uh, recommendations or insight you can offer on that piece? If your partner is someone who is experiencing this and going through it, to know that their brain is inflamed, so they're not their best self, right? They're not showing up. They're, they're, maybe you think they're angry, but really they're terrified. Their brain's not forming right and they're in chronic, chronic stress and fight or flight. 
chronically and to be that person who can really just hear them and be supportive because so many people, when you don't understand what's going on with your partner, it's, it's hard to fathom it. It's, it's hard to really see the reality of it. And then you just think they're being negative or they're being awful or they're being picky or they're, you know, but to really just allow them to have their experience and be supportive of that can go just a long way. Yeah. Yeah. And it can be challenging with, you know, added with not feeling well, having the financial stress added to it of discarding certain personal belongings, having to, you know, uh, fix your home. I mean, this can all be a lot to deal with at once. So having a good support system, I think definitely is key. Yeah. You know, I, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, I'm thinking as you're talking for the partners of the people who are getting sick, it's got to be really hard on them because if you go through remediation with someone that you're living with, then you're, they have to get rid of their belongings as well, the yeah. things they love. So they have their own grief process and the person who's in, you know, chronic state of illness can't really be that support. So that person, right, who is the, the partner to the sick person really has to have their own source of support where they can vent or complain or blow off steam or just really have that place where they can get angry and process their own feelings because that's got to be hard to a see someone you love going through something that you can't fix right that's we all hate that and then b your own life being impacted and you being put in a state of grief for not only what your partner's been going through but now what you've lost i want to ask where can people find you maybe someone wants to connect with you maybe they've felt exactly what you were going through and wants to connect with you and have you be part of their support system, or maybe they're interested in the energy healing that you do, um, which yeah. I would imagine can be helpful as, as well. I think it's what saved me when I went to the doctor who finally did confirm the diagnosis, you know, she was like, I honestly can't believe how well you're functioning. So in the midst of my illness, I wrote a book. It's like, she was like, what? I was like, I was like, I can research. She's like, you need to stop researching. I'm like, I will know everything there is to know about mold by the time this is over. She's like, you need to stop. But I think the energy work and, you know, the supplements were what kept me going when I didn't know what was going on. So I'm forever grateful to the team of energy healers and acupuncturists that worked on me for sure. Um, But I can be found at danachildsintuitive.com. That's my website. It's going through a revamp right now. So what I'm offering currently are, you know, sort of group healing sessions, and then I'll open back up to private one-on-ones later in the year, but I'm sort of revamping how I do that right now. And on Instagram, I'm always posting stories. I have some mold reel highlights, um, and I'm always posting in the stories and just the comments about how you can take care of your energy system. And that's Dana Child's Intuitive on Instagram as well. And those are the two places. Yeah. Awesome. And what, what is the book that you wrote? Where can they get the book? So the book I'll show you, do I have it? Do I have it with me? Oh, I do. The book is available. They can order it. And it's, um, it's called chakras food and you it's co-written with a friend of mine named Cindy Dale. And so we go, yeah, we go into like figuring out, you know, what your energy system is, what your main sort of trait is. And then it's a personality description. And then we talk about how to best feed your body and your soul through that way. And as we were writing it in many of the chapters, I added in there like, and check for mold. (laughs) And check for mold. So you'll see these little mold references all through the book because I was I was knee deep in it at that point. That's so awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. And thank you for all you do. And and thank you for joining me here today on Mold Talks and sharing your story. 
it's really important that we raise the volume around this topic because it's my estimate that 80 million Americans, whether they know it or not, are dealing with indoor air quality issues that are causing or exacerbating certain health implications. So thank you so much for joining me and and making uh, this special today. Thanks for having me, Michael. This has been great. I'm so passionate about it. And I just want the word to get out there for people to know about it. And also we didn't talk about this. I'm sorry to tack on this at the end here, but the way that mold and the air quality impacts pets, it's, it's huge. I mean, you know, my dog stopped walking. I've heard of other dogs who actually died from it. There was a cat that was undergoing surgery. And when they actually opened the cat up, it died in surgery. And they, the clients thought that it was anesthesia. And when they opened the cat up, it was full of mold. And so, you know, it really does impact our animals. And if, if we're, you know, hundred to 200 pounds, yeah. you know, what five to a hundred pounds, yeah. it's really impacting their little bodies. Um, so my, my new mission is to figure out how to treat an animal for mold because most vets aren't, aren't familiar or don't understand, you know, yeah, it's a whole new frontier. And yeah. And not only do you have mold, we have the toxins produced by by mold that also impact animals. So now you, you bring an important light on a topic that even not only for us, we have to worry about for our animals too. Yeah. Well, that was interestingly enough, what came back in my results, I ended up doing the genie test for my for my genome structure, just to get all the answers. And what came back on that was that what I was actually reacting to was less so the mold and more so the actinomycetes that are Mm. produced, right? The bacteria and the nasty stuff that the mold produces. And there was one in there that the the mold inspector was like, this is a really interesting type that they found in my house. And she said, this particular type of bacteria has been linked to children cutting themselves. Wow. And I thought, whoa, because when I lived with my ex-partner and his son, he went through a phase of cutting himself. Hmm. And then after we moved, it stopped. And so it just made all these, all these things that we think are weird or psychological or just our body doing weird things, acne, right? I mean, there are actinomycetes that can cause acne. All of these things were being produced in the air and floating invisible in the air in our home. And we, when we can't see it, we have a hard time believing it until it impacts us. Yeah. And I think we've just really touched the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the studies really that need to be done. Cause there's a hundred thousand different species of molds. There's only a handful of mycotoxins that we actually know of. Actinomycetes is really a a new fundamental technology that people are testing for now. So where we are and where we need to be is, is very far apart, but it's just, it's good because people like us, we're, we're advocating for change. Right. And so Eventually, there will be more medical studies driven towards exposures from mold, mycotoxins, and the bacteria that mold can create as well. So yes, it's, it's, really, it's really amazing, you know, kind of the, the technology and the fundamentals that have kind of un, uh, made themselves brought to light. So thank you very much for your time today and sharing your story, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this.